Welcome to The Frenzy. I'm Melissa Carter. And I'm Jen Hobby. And here is our mission statement and our promise to you. The Frenzy is here to change the conversation around age. So you can celebrate all your years rather than lie about them. We are ready to share an honest and humorous take on what it means to claim your real age while rejoicing in it. I'm Melissa, and I'm a card-carrying Menza member. Oh, I'm Jen Hobby, and I prefer to use a towel only once, but I will wear pajamas two nights in a row. (laughs) (laughs) Really? (laughs) I just love the fact that we don't know what the other one's going to say, so... Mensa member. Dang, now I'm intimidated. (laughs) Have I never told you? I never told you. No. All right, friends, coming up on The Frenzy, today's guest is Cassandra Worthy. She is a dynamic keynote speaker and a founder of Change Enthusiasm Global. She is inspiring resiliency one heart at a time, and we cannot wait to share this conversation with you. Plus, coming up, Melissa Carter is ready to give you a pep talk that is so powerful, you're going to be hearing her voice in your head all week long. It's going to pump you up, we promise. So that is on the way. But first, Melissa Carter, how are you? I'm good. Jen, I can't believe some mornings that I've done as much as I've done. I'm I'm good. I'm good. You are my respite. Like this is my oasis, right? Yes. From the chaos. Oh, so I appreciate that. Quiets down. Oh, I can slow down now. So Jen, how are you, my love? I'm good. I wanted to talk today about the career struggle a little bit because I think our audience with the frenzy is an older audience. And at some point the pivot comes in the career, right? So whether Mm -hmm. that's a forced pivot, which you and I have experienced, whether that's a pivot because you are getting in that elevator and you're like, I cannot believe I've been coming to the same office for 10 years in a row. And I can't believe I'm riding up the same (laughs) elevator again. And I hate this place. And what am I doing with my life? Right. At some point we reach this career pivot or it could be because your career is like not serving you anymore. It doesn't fit you anymore. It's not fulfilling you anymore. And you're just ready for a new challenge. But that's the struggle that I'm in. And I'm really excited that we're talking to Cassandra Worthy today because I think it's going to give us all some tools in this change of career. But for me, the struggle is in not feeling resentful. Because I want to be a joyful person. I want to accept change and new frontiers with joy. But I have been really struggling in the last several months, probably last six months, about not being mad about the career. So Melissa and I have both worked in radio for many, many years. And hopefully those of you that are listening to The Frenzy have listened to us together before. But if you haven't, we worked together in radio for about 10 years and then gone off and done other shows and other things. We've always remained friends. And so as we know, the radio industry itself is shifted. And I think because of COVID, so many industries have shifted. There are so many of our sisters listening right now that have gotten that harsh reality check that your job doesn't love you back. Mm -hmm. It never will. It doesn't. 
And then you're left with not only the resentment of being mad at whether that's your company, your bosses, your people that you were working with, chair that you've got, and you don't know why you don't have a better chair. I mean, it, sometimes it gets to the, just to the point of your office supplies that you want to sling like, across the room. It's like <laughs> you get delivered that news, whether it's a shift in what your company's doing, or it, it could be a job loss. And we've experienced that. Or it could be Anything that just changes and you're like, but I've worked so hard, but I've given it my all. I loved this place. I stayed extra hours. I spent weekends. I did. I went above and beyond. I sacrificed time with my family. I sacrificed time with my kids when they were little. I sacrificed so much to pour into this job and you fill it in for you, right? Whatever that job was. And it delivers you a blow that is so harsh. It hurts your heart. You're like, but wait, this isn't this is the way it was supposed to go, right? Because we're we sort of grow up and we're taught get a good education, get good grades, go to college, get a degree, go get a job, do well, start your 401k, whatever we're taught to go and do and do all these things and put our heart into it. And then it doesn't love you back. And it's hard for me. And I feel like I'm still in that transition of not being resentful of it and also being not mad at myself. Like how stupid was I to believe it was ever going to love me back to believe that a job was going to be the thing that fulfilled me, the thing that showed me the way. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know. There's so much that comes to mind when you said that the training of women to sacrifice for someone who's going to take care of you. You're trained from a young child that someone else is going to take care of your needs as long as you are there to take care of them. And we've translated that into work where, mm -hmm. and I couldn't, I can't speak on how men are trained with that. I'm sure, and I've seen men have the same reaction, emotional reaction, but I do think it's unique for women. We expect emotional satisfaction with everything we do. And at least, you know, if you are a mother and you've raised children, then there's always the result of what the sacrifice you've put in. Women need a, an emotional I don't know, again, satisfaction that men sometimes uh, doesn't seem like they need. When I've been let go, I've been stunned. Like, it's almost like I, I play cool and I want to maintain relationships, but it's, I'm stunned. Like, but you, but look at what I've, what I've provided for you. You know, look at the, it, not only the work and the experience, but just the environment within the, in the group. Cause I tend to believe it or not, sometimes be the class clown or at least, you know, be social within the, you know, work environment. The last time I was let go, I felt like I lifted the spirits of the people around me and you didn't yeah. find that valuable. But Is I, it because we base so much in relationships I think and those so. relationships, it stings when those relationships go away or it stings when they're not valued in the same way you value them. Yes. And I think that the women resist being entrepreneurs because they are turned off by sometimes the cutthroat things that men seem to do in order to excel in business. And again, I'm generalizing and it's just kind of what we see at surfacey because I don't think men are that one dimensional. It just seems like that you're turned off. Like if you don't, again, if you don't feel it, if you don't feel like this relationship is helping you both, that's why I think you're resentful. So but many of us have been delivered that shock, especially during COVID, even up at the upper executive level or people who have excelled and done really well. And we're probably making the bigger salaries in the company. They have been eliminated. Right. Everybody's vulnerable in COVID, but I, even before COVID, I've been in jobs where that I ended up leaving that I was resentful leading up to it because it wasn't going the way I wanted it to go. Mm -hmm. And I remember 
having lunch with a friend and explaining to him as a guy about what was going on. And his comment was, well, it sounds like you already given up. And in my, and that was the first time I thought, well, I guess I have, because I don't feel like fighting anymore. I just want out. I just feel gross. You know, I just yeah. want out of the situation. Is it about expectations that we have going in that we expect this uh, career position or this job or whatever it is, is going to somehow fulfill us or, or give back to us? Is it about expectation or is it about a shift in purpose? Because I well, feel that yeah. too, right? Well, and I, think, I remember yeah. the job you're talking about when you were kind of mentally out of it before you actually left it. Yeah. But it wasn't serving your purpose. You didn't feel like you could be your authentic self in that job. Right. A lot of our friends listening right now are probably feeling that same disconnect. Where's the source of your purpose? Where's the source of this love that you feel like you need? Women probably have a better, and especially older women, have a better opportunity to be that sunlight in yourself. Like the image that comes to my mind is in an image that I want to teach my son is that you can go outside and you think the warmth you're feeling is from the sun that's in the sky when what you need to, to really picture is the sun within your chest and the fact that you are that sun that's warming you, you are that sun that's giving you love. So even if the, you know, you're like the eye of a hurricane, like you can have all this going on around you but you're the source of your own comfort. So whether you're in your own company, somebody else's company, you're a stay-at-home mom, you're somebody who is single and you're just, you're working from home. I mean, whatever situation you're in as a woman, if you're empty nester, if you're a widow, you have to decide that you are still here and I'm going to do something. You know, I'm going to be fulfilled by what I do. So instead of looking at the outside, so everything yes. you just said, this job, this company is not giving you what you want. It's like the boyfriend that's not giving you what you want. Mm -hmm. And you have to decide whether to stay or leave. But in the meantime, you know your efforts. You've been with you every day. You know what sacrifices you've made. And you get to decide whether you want to continue those or not or give them up. It's because the risk is worse staying in it than it is leaving. And yeah. I think you get to that place, right? And I, and I never wanted to be that bitter person. So the reason I've right. been able to maintain relationships with most people I've worked with is because when I saw, because I know myself, mm-hmm. and when I saw me becoming a person I don't want to be, the embittered, like you said, resentful, just angry, like hateful person, when I saw myself getting into that situation, I left. I love the sunshine analogy. I'm going to take that with me too, because that's like, you knowing your worth is within and knowing that you're going to have that light from within you, no matter what your circumstances are, no matter whether they walk in and say, I'm sorry, we're letting you go, or we're changing your position, or we're doing whatever we're doing, you can still have that light inside and say, okay, I'm going to apply this light to the next thing that comes in my path and just trusting that you've got it. Have a plan if it happens and then move on. If you were someone in a situation, okay, think about what if I got laid off? What am I going to do? Then have a plan in place and then let it go. It may or may not happen, Mm -hmm. but the best coaches, like one of my heroes, Pat Summit, University of Tennessee, God rest your soul. Her mantra was always, I'm always going to outwork you. Like I may not be as as talented as you, like you don't have to be as talented, but if you work harder than the other person, you will succeed. And so that's what you do. You work for yourself and you plan for yourself and you think of those scenarios. Okay. What if I get laid off? What if my husband leaves me? What if my husband dies? What if my children, you know, never speak to me again? What, you know, all the things that you're afraid of face the fear, face it, have a plan. Okay. How would I react? How would I want to react? Okay. 
That's what I'll do. And then let it go. That's the thing that I love about doing this show with you is, you know, we ask each other, so how are you doing? And we actually wait to hear the answer. That's what we've created with the frenzy, right? It doesn't matter whether you have a pivot in your life, which you're going to have. That's the thing. Change is going to happen. Pivots are going to happen, especially if you're older. Pivots are going to happen in your job. Pivots are going to happen in your family. And pivots are going to happen in your body. That's something we can talk about, you know, too. We got, yeah. we, we're in a situation where our bodies are doing things we don't recognize. So all these changes, it doesn't matter what you're going through. You have a safe space to come to because that's exactly what we talk about. That's why we call it the frenzy. And if you need either one of us, you can find us wherever, right? Social Absolutely. media. You can DM us on Instagram. You can send us a Facebook message. You can always email us because it's Jen, J-E-N-N, at thefrenzy.com. You can always reach out to Melissa, M-E-L-I-S-S-A, at thefrenzy.com. Always reach out to us on something you want to hear on the show because we'd love to know how you're doing. And we want to talk about the things you want to talk about. That's what we're here for. We're really excited about you guys listening. We want to say thank you so much. And we want to get you in the running to win this beautiful bra. <laughs> Guys, <laughs> <laughs> will yeah. you be my Vanna White and tell us and this, what they can win? An Echo Dot, Amazon Echo Dot, just for you. If you leave a five-star review for us, you are automatically in the running for this Amazon Echo Dot, which will make your life a lot easier because I love the fact that I can just say, Alexa, please do this for me. I mean, as a woman, a lot of times you wish you had someone at your beck and, and call. Yes. yes. Well, Alexa can be at your beck and call because I can be like, what's the weather? What's the news? Get this on my grocery list, whatever it is. What time does my son have to go to swimming practice? Lex is there for you. We've got this for you. If you leave a five-star review and you subscribe to the Frenzy Podcast, that's it. And we are going to pick a lucky listener on March the 12th. So all you do, subscribe to the Frenzy wherever you listen to podcasts and then leave us a five-star review and you're already in the running. got to try this new game. It's called You Don't Know My Life. It was created by a buddy of mine, Dennis Hensley, and it is about the quirky experiences that make us all human. Jen and I have actually played an online version of this game because it is available for online as well. And it is talking about the things that happen in your life, whether it's mortifying things that happen when you were in middle school, whether it's something in your adult life. All these things come out all while you're laughing your face off. You Don't Know My Life right now is on sale at Amazon, $31.99, which is perfect for your next Zoom party, family night in. And Jen and I are actually going to play around later to give you an example of what it's all about. But it's one of those games. It's a board game, also an online version where you can learn so much more about your friends, even if you've known them for 50 years. Y'all, look, you're not going out to the movies. You're not going out to dinner. You're not doing stuff because we're in COVID. So go buy this game. You don't know my life. It's $31.99. It's going to be the best money that you spend. It's on Amazon or you don't know my life.com. All right, Melissa and I are so excited to share with you this conversation with Cassandra Worthy. If you have not met her yet, she's so dynamic and phenomenal. She's a keynote speaker, an author, and founder of Change Enthusiasm Global. Cassandra has hosted two TED Talks. She has a degree in chemical engineering from Georgia Tech. 
Her energy is infectious. Cassandra Worthy, welcome to the frenzy. Yay. Thank you so much. What up, ladies? Thank hey. you for having me. I'm so excited. We are so excited to hear from you today. And I think you've got so much to teach us. I'm so ready to dive in to change enthusiasm. I want to hear about how you are just making such a big impact in people's resiliency around the world. But first, Cassandra, we got to get to know you a little bit better. What's your story? Tell us, where did you grow up? Where'd you come from? Give us a little background. I grew up close to where you did uh, and in Metro Atlanta. I am from Powder Springs, Georgia, originally, which is about 25 minutes northwest of the, of the city. I went to Georgia Tech in the city of Atlanta, got my chemical engineering degree there. And then I went on and uh, did about 15 years in corporate America with that degree. I'm homegrown <laughs> here in Atlanta. And it's <laughs> so weird. Like, I feel like that's really rare nowadays when I tell people that I'm actually from Atlanta. They're like, what? You're from here? Because there's so many transplants, you know, that are that are coming down because it's, it's an amazing city. And then I spent about seven years, I guess, outside of the city, some time in Cincinnati, up in Boston, freezing my butt off. <laughs> uh, and then I've, I've been back here in Atlanta now for over 10 years and loving it. Nice. Okay. You're not allowed to breeze over the chemical engineering. <laughs> I, <never breathed. laughs> Tech. I mean, can we please hear a little more about that? <laughs> she just glossed right over that. Like, oh, no big deal. You know, sure. just, a little, just a little degree I got from a little university, you know. Yeah, university. <laughs> so let me see. So I didn't necessarily like grow up wanting to be an engineer. So I'll tell you a little bit how I got into that. I've always just been really, really curious. Like I was that kid who just asked all the why, what, where questions, any questions I can think of. So I tell people that science and math really chose me because they are me with a way to kind of answer these questions, right? All these mysteries of the universe, mysteries of life. And so I've always loved science and math. I think it's just been like, you know, a threesome made in heaven <laughs> with me and science <laughs> and math. And so originally, I actually wanted to be a pediatric neurosurgeon. I saw Ben Carson accept an award for being the first, you know, separate Siamese twins from the brain. I was like, yo, he's black. He's articulate. He's well-dressed. He makes a lot of money. Yeah. That's what I'm about to do. That's what I'm about to do. So I tell people, <laughs> and my target was pediatric neurosurgery ever like from the fourth grade all the way up until my sophomore year of college. Anybody asked me, what are you going to do when you grow up? I'm going to be a brain surgeon. And then sophomore year hit and I was like, yo, brain surgery. That's a lot more school. It's like, <laughs> like the rest of undergraduate, four more years of medical school, nine to 11 years of residency for pediatric neurosurgery. So I was like, you know what? Why do I want to be that? You know, so I had to do a little bit of a gut check, get curious about myself and why and uh, all the reasons that I had, you know, as that fourth grader didn't necessarily hold up. And so I switched to chemical engineering promising myself that if I wanted to still pursue medicine that I could with that degree, but I could also get a really well-paying job right at university and still be exploring and living science and math doing chemical engineering. So, so that's what I did. You know, it's, it's this curious kind of nature, curious kid at heart that got me into engineering and I love it. <laughs> you know, love I it. Cassandra, I want to focus on something that you mentioned about Ben Carson, you know, and you were like, okay, now here, here's somebody who is the same skin color as I am, right? 
somebody who I can I can follow in his footsteps. You mentioned, oh, science and math, they came to me where for a lot of women in our audience, they were taught that science and math are men. There's that's what their brothers did. They're yep. supposed to be in English, yep. you know, or something in the languages. How did you ignore what society was trying to tell you to do? I've kind of always done that. I'll, I always like rock to the beat of my own drum. That's just kind of who I am. But I will tell you the importance of exposure and the fact that I was exposed to seeing someone who looked like me doing something that kind of lit me up, that resonated really well with me. And so I will tell you that STEM, science, technology, engineering, math, that's really one of my passion areas, especially as we think about building that diverse pipeline and busting these myths that I think a lot of women have and minorities have that I can't excel in that area. You know, I think that our, I know that our numbers have been climbing. You know, when I was at university, I was one of very, very few women in my chemical engineering courses and probably one of maybe two minority women. And of course that has continued to change. And I think we're making good progress, but It's a matter of making sure that young people, I'm talking young, young people, like get them elementary school, Mm -hmm. (laughs) are exposed to what's possible. And so I love doing pro bono engagements where I'll go into schools and, and share my story and the fact that, you know, yeah, I'm an engineer. I spent many years working in corporate. I designed shampoos. I did some really cool stuff. I traveled the world and I look like this. And I am who I am. So that means that you can do it too. One quick comment too. I mean, like one of the developers of the vaccine for COVID-19, an African-American woman, that story needs to be pushed out Mm -hmm. that saving our lives as an African-American woman who is a scientist. And you can be that too. There have been so many women heroes, minority women heroes in so many industries of science, technology, engineering, math. And those stories need to be shared. And then people who are actually living it and thriving in those industries should come out and and make sure kids are exposed to what's possible. Cassandra, get us from chemical engineering to keynote speaker, (laughs) rock star, who's rocked two TEDx talks already. Wait a second. You... You're not in a lab. You're not in a science lab. So where does that transition take place? Where's that aha moment for you? Uh, well, the transition takes place first in my mind and heart. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, when I started in my corporate career, I, I loved it because I love the science. I love solving complex problems. I love doing formulation. I love to travel, got to see a lot of different cultures. But it's so funny in all of the business units I was in, all of my reviews as, as good as I was at leading innovation and doing that kind of stuff, the unique value, the benefit that I would hear resoundingly from people is, Cassandra, your energy, your positivity, the joy you inject, the way you lead teams, the way you create a cohesive environment, that's like no one else can do. And so I started hearing those things, this value that people would always tell me. And then also that intuition, you know, that whisper that you hear that there's something different There's something different you could be doing to share your natural talents and gifts with the world, making it better and maybe a different way. I have been hearing that probably probably since my first year working in corporate, but it's when I started listening to that, paired with all of those compliments that I was getting outside myself, that I decided to pivot and and really started to pursue curiosity. You know, and I use the language pivot, but it's not like I woke up one day and say, you know what, I'm gonna do something else. I'm quitting corporate and I'm gonna go try to be a speaker. 
I, I didn't do that. I actually cultivated my business, my consulting firm, the same time that I was still working in corporate. So I did two careers basically for about two years and really pursuing that curiosity. What is that thing? What is that thing I could be doing? And it ended up when I found a stage, when I found myself sharing this energy and this light, you know, that animates me, that I feel is the same that animates everyone else. And when I started seeing that same light pop up behind people's eyes in an audience, I was like, well, well, this is it. <laughs> this, is, this is it. And so I just from there started figuring out how can I share this energy as well as valuable things I learned in corporate to help other people get lit up, to help other people share their authentic self and really thrive as it turns out through change and disruption. We have a new morning mirror mantra, okay, that we've been telling our audience. And it is, I choose me. My life is meant to be, okay? So basically, I pinned it because I felt like every other mantra was missing that source, which is yourself. Mm -hmm. You seem to be a, a walking example of that mantra. How does that make you feel? And is that what you feel like you do for your audience is to yes. allow them to be self-sufficient emotionally? Yes, that is exactly the way that I live each and every day. It is on purpose. And I'm so grateful that through my journey of sobriety, through my journey of becoming curious about myself, becoming curious about the big, big questions, right? You know, why am I here? Why am I here to serve? I have discovered my purpose, my lane is to allow this light and all this joy and all this energy that I feel within myself to allow myself to inspire that same thing in another. And that, that is, that is me. I, I think that's why I'm here in this, in this vessel for this time and space. And so my work now is, is to do just that. And it's packaged it's in the lens of growing through change and disruption. So I, I cultivated this growth mindset, this, this workable strategy that I've coined, change enthusiasm. And the first thing is really about getting in touch with you. It's a three-step process. It's called the signal, the opportunity, and the choice. And the signal are those emotional cues, right? The, the emotions we typically tag as negative. So fear, anxiety, frustration. It's a matter of embracing those and welcoming them as invitations to an opportunity to grow. And once you've mm. stepped into that invitation and in that opportunity, it's looking at options. What can I do? Knowing that I have just been singled into a, a moment of opportunity to grow, what are my options? What can I do to maximize this opportunity? And then that third step is making a conscious, productive choice, taking ownership of your work experience, taking ownership of your life experience and moving towards that better feeling. And ultimately it's a better result. And so that's the mindset that I now train, that I teach, that I coach from stages and digital workshops, you know, in, in companies doing executive leadership workshops. It's what I practice each and every day. And it's what I'm so grateful to share with the world. Cassandra, when these signals come up, for me, those signals happen when change is happening around you, whether that's career or relationships or family, and I resist it. No, nothing change on me. This is out of my control, right? So what are those signals so we can recognize them when they happen 
Because I think for women, they probably come through as emotions, right? They do for everyone, right? I think emotional, it's emotion is a universal language. And I tell folks, especially when I'm going into these corporate organizations with limited resources, right? And so many have the scarcity mindset. Well, I'll tell them, you know what? Emotion is a resource that's an infinite supply. It's a resource and a tool, and you have an infinite well of them. So let's start using them. The signal emotions that I have found in my 15 years, I did a lot of merger and acquisition experience and all working with my clients. There's five of them. It's fear, grief or loss. It's frustration. It's anger. And it's anxiety. Y'all can maybe relate. <laughs> well, and the reason I'm jumping in is because I want to reiterate what Jen said with that. Women are taught, don't get angry, don't be afraid. All these things like you got to be a good girl. You got to be, you got to handle it or you can't show these things. And so I just wanted to jump in and say that because for a lot of women like Jen, they avoid it because they're taught that's not ladylike yeah. to indulge in any of those things. Yeah. And for me as a black woman, of course, I'm coached not to show anger because then I'll be tagged as an angry black woman. Right. How much has that stigma been present with, uh, with women of color and black women in particular? But I will tell you that allowing that anger to exist and not necessarily inviting it to manifest in ways that can be harmful or unproductive, but not shutting it out, but allowing it, it to be there and to feel it is so important. And honestly, it is the first step to getting towards better. And when you shut it out, well, like I say, I say conserve emotional energy. It can take a toll on your health. It can take a toll on your personal relationships because you'll keep holding it in, holding it in, and then just have these outbursts to people who didn't even do or say anything, right? Because you've been holding it in for so long. It's important to, to recognize that they're there, allow them to exist, and then just try to find ways to transform that energy into what I call growth sustaining emotional energies, right? The, the energy that can actually accelerate your growth, can accelerate moving you towards your better. Things like hope and joy and gratitude. And there's a lot of different practices you can use to transform that energy, but it's, but it's good stuff. <laughs> so when we recognize those signals as they're popping up, because I'm feeling it, when you're listing those off, I'm like, uh-huh, 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 uh-huh. <laughs> so when you are recognizing those emotions, how do you get from the signal step to your next step? We've got homework. <laughs> one yes. signal and step two is and step two is the opportunity step two is the opportunity okay and i will tell you i'm sure we'll talk about it a little bit later but i do have a book coming out in august and it has yeah. a lot of like it's like a workbook i want it to be very practical on how you can employ these steps and practice them in your daily life and so it talks about moving from step one to step two but honestly, a lot of step one, and I tell folks, this is probably the hardest part of the practice is getting out of that first step, getting out of those signal emotions, getting off the couch from binging Netflix or, you know, whatever your favorite show is and getting into that opportunity. One of the best things is to reflect back on really, really difficult changes that you've been through, really difficult times, difficult disruptions, and think about the good stuff that came from that. Think of one good thing that came from some kind of trying situation you had before and let that one good thing be a seed of trust. Trust that I've been through stuff that's been really, really difficult, but there was something good that came from that. So allow that to be a seed of trust and allow it to grow and let you know, you know what, I'm feeling kind of the same way. I'm starting to feel anxious. I'm feeling a little bit frustrated. And I felt this before, but something good came from it. 
So I must be about to grow again. So how can I maximize this opportunity? I think for older women, I mean, like, you know, because the, the frenzy is here for 40 plus women, right? You know, you talk about a wealth of experience and the opportunity for that trust, because I God, that is such a great word because you're exactly right. We somehow we don't trust our own judgments or trust our own reactions. To me, as a 50-year-old, I think I would have a better chance of succeeding at this than I would have at 25 because I've seen the patterns. I've seen a lot of things in my life. And so why shouldn't I trust more now than I ever have before? Yes, exactly. And the more that you can plant those seeds, recognize them, and then start harvesting them through different changes, you'll just begin to know, and the trust will go even deeper, to know that, ooh, I'm feeling frustrated and immediately see it as a signal, immediately feel it as an invitation. I'm in an opportunity. And then you immediately go to step two. Although I'll tell you, it's a rare breed that can do that, right? So I created this and I've been doing it for more than 15 years and I still struggle moving from step one to step two. But it's a practice. This is a practice. It is not something that you just wake up, do steps one through three in a day, and then think that you're going to be the most resilient person in the world. No. I, I tell people that resiliency is a muscle. You have to stretch it, grow it, tear the fibers for it to become stronger. And you do that by going through change, by experiencing disruption, by having these signal emotions and practicing this mindset. But yeah, when you can get in that, that realm of trust, especially relying on that wealth of experience as a 40 plus, you'll be in a good place. Cassandra, how can anybody get in touch with you to hire you to come talk at their company, to talk to their employees? Because we're talking to a lot of women who are business owners, who are, you know, and, and these I'll interpret it. How are you going to get paid? We're talking to the decision makers. We're talking to the older yes. women here who are decision yes. makers. Who needs All to right, hire you to come talk to pay? All right, women, this is going to be the most important 15 seconds of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> ladies, ladies, I need you to follow me on LinkedIn. All right, Cassandra Worthy on LinkedIn. Follow me, connect. If you really do have a booking inquiry, go to CassandraWorthy.com. And then you can see you can set up a discovery call right on my calendar, right from the website. Or you can reach out and put in a, an inquiry and give me some information on your event. My team will be in touch. Hopefully we'll get to watch your TEDx talk soon because that's how Cassandra yeah. and I met. We both did the same TEDx event. You guys, Jen, Jen's talk is incredible. Oh, thanks. <laughs> incredible. I'm telling you. Seriously, I was blown away. Like I've, I've always been a fan. So now I'm gonna I'm gonna show I'm show myself a little bit. I've so been a fan of yours for so long. I listened to you in high school and I always loved your bubbly personality and what you brought to the radio waves. Listen to you on a daily basis. Yes. Thank you. So sweet. Well, I was so excited to connect via that TED event. And then once TED says that we're allowed to release our videos, we will, right? If you Google Cassandra Worthy TEDx, I did one other one that was also a virtual live stream. That one did get posted. And there was about a three or four month window, if not five. So fingers crossed, Jen, ours will, ours will go up in March, maybe April. I'm so grateful for your honesty and your generosity today just to share with us all this stuff and your vulnerability. Thank you. Of course, it's my pleasure. And thank you, ladies. Y'all's lights are on and yeah. it's shining yeah. so brilliantly. Please keep allowing it. Thank you so much. And welcome to the club. Welcome to the frenzy. Thank you. <laughs>
Cancer sucks. And finding out your friend, your coworker, or your family member has it sucks even more. So of course you ask, what can I do to help? And then flowers are temporary, food doesn't feel like enough. Well, we've got the answer. Kick it pajamas. Designed by cancer survivors and caretakers, Kick It Pajamas sells hospital wear and clothing for those undergoing cancer treatment. Kick It Pajamas and clothes are stylish, comfortable, and functional for care by medical staff. Give the gift of Kick It Pajamas to stylishly dress your loved one for battle. A portion of proceeds helps kick cancer off the planet. Go to kickitpajamas.com. That's kickitpajamas.com. Okay, Melissa Carter is ready to give you this pep talk like she is your coach and you are headed out on the field for the biggest game ever. That game, it is called Your Life. All right, Melissa, pep us up. Get us ready for this week. One place that you are most self-critical is in the mirror. Mm -hmm. When you're getting ready, like you're changing clothes, you strip before you get in the shower. It's the skin. It's like, (laughs) why do I have so many spots right there? You analyze yourself in such a negative way. So this is kind of what Jen and I like to call our morning mirror mantra. Okay. So what I did is I tried to go online and find something else. Like I'm not going to reinvent the wheel if there's something out there, but I couldn't find anything that really to me got to the core of, Mm -hmm. of what's going on. So here's the mantra that I want you to to say in the mirror every morning, okay? Should I type it in all caps? Yes, type in all caps. Are you ready? Ready. I choose me. My life is meant to be. (gasps) Oh, this is so good. Again, again, give it to us again. I choose me. My life is meant to be. It's short. It rhymes. It should be easy. But the reason that I came up with these words is because, number one, when in your life have you ever said, I choose me? I choose me. Maybe in a breakup. Maybe usually it's in a in a hostile f- feeling environment. Like mm-hmm. if you quit a job, it's like, I choose me. I choose me. But you should do that every day in a, in a relaxed environment. I choose me today. I choose me. I choose me over my husband. I choose me over my wife. I choose me over my children, over my parents. I choose me because you were the source of your own happiness. And then the other line, my life is meant to be, is to explain to you, our son, we got through IVF. And during that process, it took us six years, six years for Katie and I to get our son. Through us going through IVF, through us using a surrogate or a carrier, technically, because it was our eggs, it not work the first time for us to go through it again. The whole process took six years. Wow. We're talking a lot of embryos were used. He started out as twins. One of the twins didn't make it. So we have our one child. What I learned through that process is that if you're alive, you beat the odds. There are more failed pregnancies than there have been pregnancies. Because you think about it, through IVF, you get to learn the whole process. They timed it out so perfectly. In your own body, you don't know. Like if you are a straight woman that had had natural children with your husband, all the times that the pregnancy almost happened and didn't, you you never know about. All the times the sperm almost made it or all the times the sperm made it, but the egg wasn't right, you're not even aware of. Where through IVF, you end up being aware of, right? If you're alive, you don't understand what a gift that is and how you truly, you are a rarity, mm-hmm. okay? And so my life is meant to be means you are here. So you serve a purpose already, okay? So don't forget that there's no wasted life, you're meant to be here. You belong. Okay. So that's why your morning mirror mantra is I choose me. 
my life is meant to be. So if you understand that you're a sacred person, if you choose yourself and understand I've got to take care of the sacred being that made it here despite the odds, then you're less likely to criticize your skin. You're less likely to criticize your jig, you know, your jiggles. There's been times I've actually apologized to my body because if I'm in the right frame of mind, I apologize for all the times that I've criticized it. Like how mean, how bullying I have been to myself. That's not my body is doing its best to keep me alive and to keep me going and to keep me through the morning routines and to keep me, you know, doing everything I do. My body's the one working it. And so then at the end of the day, what am I doing? I'm telling it it's awful. I'm telling it it's ugly. I'm telling it it's, you know, and that's just not, that's all, that's unfair. And how in the world would you ever do that to your child, to your husband, to your friends? You would never say those things. So don't say it to yourself. So again, the morning mirror mantra, I choose me. My life is meant to be. Okay, I want you to say it out loud right now. So you're listening. You got us in the AirPods or you're in the kitchen cleaning, doing the dishes after everybody else, whatever. (laughs) I I always listen to podcasts where I fold laundry, right? You're listening somewhere. And if there's other people around you, I don't care. I want you to say it out loud right now. I choose me. My life is meant to be. Because there's power in your words and hearing yourself say it. I think it's powerful. So if you're still not doing it, I want you to try one more time. Say it out loud. I choose me. My life is meant to be. And if you are tearing up, if you're crying right now, saying that to yourself, then there's a lot of healing to be done. You've already hit that nerve. Your body is saying, I needed you to say that. I needed you to say that to me. I needed you to be nice to me. If you are here and breathing and alive. I don't care if you're in a wheelchair. I don't care if you're on a walker. I don't care if you're laying in the bed. I don't care if you're fully active and can go for a run. You are meant to be here. Don't Know My Life is a board game that was developed by my friend Dennis Hensley and a partner of his. And Dennis and I used to do radio together for Westwood One back in the day on a nationally syndicated show. He is a journalist uh, and a broadcaster, and he would ask celebrity questions to try to get celebrities to kind of drop their guard. He collected all these questions and made it into a game. I supported him when it first came out, but I truly love the game despite who made it. Jen and I have actually played it online with Dennis and had a good time with the crew. And I'm going to take a sample question from the deck and I'm going to answer it and Jen's going to answer it. So are you ready, my love? I am ready. And I had so much fun playing this with Dennis and your friends from Twist online. This is so much fun. And we are going to do this with the frenzy. We're going to do a virtual event. We're going to have... You don't know my life come to life for everyone. I'm so excited about it. All right. So what's our question today? I always get so nervous. I'm like, (gasps) am I going to have an answer? (laughs) All right. I think you'll have an answer. I think you'll have an answer for this one. Have you ever written a fan letter or approached someone you admire in person to gush? And this, to me, I feel like since we meet a lot of celebrities, this is outside that realm. It's like where you initiated on your own a letter or approached a celebrity because you are a fan. I'm sure I have. I just have a terrible short-term memory. All right. You've had longer you to go about first? this. Yes. yes. You always have to go first. Okay. Yeah. I know I have an advantage because I have the cards. When I was young, I was a huge fan of Dukes of Hazard. You know, those because guys were hot. Luke and I Bo just, Duke. 
I was kind of young for that, but I do remember them jumping in and out of the car, right? The car doors didn't open. The doors were welded shut. That's all I remember about it. Okay. (laughs) They were rednecks, right? The idea was they were rednecks. If you never watched Dukes of Hazzard, they were rednecks from, and I think it was insinuated it was Georgia. They were guys who had gotten in trouble for guns. So the guns were taken away from them and they could only use bow and arrows as their defense. So there were times where they used bow and arrows. This is not cool today, but back when I was a kid, this was so neat. The General Lee was the name of their car. The doors were welded shut because demolition cars back in small southern towns, Mm. you know, the doors didn't open. I was too young to understand that I wanted to be Bo Duke, not be with Bo Duke. Okay. So I just knew that I had this, you know, crush on John Schneider. So I wrote him a letter. I got an autographed picture back. I don't think I ever kept that, which is sad, but I got an autographed picture back from John Schneider. And I remember licking my finger and rubbing it on part of the ink to make sure it was real. Even at like eight years old, I was like, is this authentic. He, he probably didn't sign it, but whatever. Because of our profession, I did get to meet him later on. And I will say that he was as lovely as I was would hope he would be. So pose the question one more time. I've now thought of three different celebrity stories that I could tell, but I want to pick the right one. All right. Have you ever written a fan letter or approached someone you admire in person simply to gush? Okay. So there's three people I've approached. I haven't ever written a letter, I don't think, but I have approached three different people. Do you want, when I was a little kid, one of my first concerts, when I was in my senior year of high school, college visiting, or do you want one from when I was just married to Grant and we were headed out on our honeymoon? Oh my goodness. What time of life is the best? Well, let's do the, let's do the, um, you say high school or college? High school senior. Let's do the high school senior one. Okay. When I was a high school senior, I got to go college visiting with a friend of mine. And I can't believe my parents let us go because we went up to the Northeast. I'm from Florida, grew up in St. Petersburg, Florida. I wanted to go to visit women's colleges. I really wanted to go to Smith. I went with a good friend and we went to like Smith and Barnard, UMass and Mount Holyoke because I had camp counselors that were all at those schools. So for some reason, my parents let us go by ourselves, which I can't even believe they let us do that. I went and I was with one of my dear friends who I'm still friends with today. Her name is Chantel. Chantel and I went up and when we were at University of Massachusetts, Gloria Steinem was speaking. Oh, wow. As young feminists, we were into reading her books and we knew about what a leader she was in the women's movement. And we were enamored. Gloria Steinem is like model level gorgeous, right? Like always has been growing up and her appearance is kind of how she became such a leader. She acknowledges that. We go to her talk. There's maybe 30 people there to hear her speak at this school. And I'm guessing some of the students were probably required to go see her speak. But we stayed after and we stood in line and we stalked her so that we could actually have a conversation. And we just gushed. I don't really even know what we said. I'm sure we sounded like babbling idiots. (laughs) And I can remember her still standing kind of by a wooden podium lectern. And we just stood there and waited and waited until... We That's could meet her, word. right? Lectern or what do I they guess. call it? I guess. I'm impressed because that was very, was, I felt like I was reading a novel. Like, oh my uh, God, um, that's a great descriptive. I'm, I'm, I'm Episcopalian. <laughs> there's lecterns. There's there's lots of, you know. Very nice. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to, my to go vocabulary. to diverge, but I was very impressed by that. I was but like, she stood there and she kind of stood out from behind 
the lectern and, <laughs> and we just gushed and gushed and talked to her and she was wearing her big eyeglasses How i don't know neat. if she was put off by us fangirling over her no or not. of course not and i think we even had to sneak into the lecture hall i mean i'm sure we weren't included the reason that your parents let you go by yourself is because the the sneakiest thing you did was sneak into a Gloria Steinem lecture. Okay, so, <laughs> that's there's your answer. That's why you've got to get this game. You don't know my life because even with your bestest friends, you're going to discover new stories. We're all sick of talking about the same old things. This is going to bring up new and rich conversations with you and your friends. So go and buy it. You don't know my life.com or you can grab yours today at Amazon. And as you know, it'll be on your doorstep by tomorrow. That's right. <laughs> Right. God, I don't know how they do it. Doesn't Amazon freak you out? Like, where? How do they do this? All right, friends. Thanks for listening to the frenzy. Please leave a review and subscribe. If you subscribe and leave a five-star review, we're going to get you in the running for this really cool Amazon Echo Dot with Alexa. It's the newest one on the market. You throw it in your kitchen and it'll be your little administrative assistant for your life. You don't have to like sign up in a special place. It's subscribe, leave a five-star review. Melissa and I are going to grab everybody's names, throw you in a hat, and then we're going to draw a winner coming up on March 12th. Soundtrack produced by Tammy Hurt for Placement Music, written and recorded by Placement Music creative team member Mark Daniels. The Frenzy's graphic design is by Helen Vickers and web design by Caden Jacobs. And next week, join us because we are going to share the rejected names of this podcast. Which are so funny. And you have got to subscribe so you hear that and you just may pick up your next trivia team name. Trust your gut. Use your voice. Stop Stop lying about your age. (laughs) Bye-bye. See you next time.